We are beginning a new series this morning, and it's called Inseparable. We are looking at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is one of the most important chapters and one of the most important books of the Bible. And uh, this is a very familiar pas- uh, passage of Scripture uh, for many of us because there's many phrases that uh, we like to uh, quote or repeat uh, in this this chapter. Uh, and the, the phrase, the verse that we're looking at this morning is in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Another phrase that we'll be looking at next week is the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I've used that on many occasions. Uh, another one that uh, we're all familiar with is we know that uh, for those who's, who, who love God, all things work together for good. Another verse, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then finally, if um, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Very familiar verses. And so we're going to do a a verse by verse through Romans chapter 8 over the next uh, five weeks. But in Christ, you and I are inseparable. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And uh, how can we be sure? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at. But I've got great news for all of us this morning. The great news is this, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We all suffer from guilt pains. You know, we have these little voices going on in our, our hearts and our minds and trying to convince us that we're, we're no good or we're not good enough or we're trying to measure up to others and, and I've got to do better and it's all up to me. But the promise of God's word is there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't have to live uh, lives of guilt and regret. Our government, probably about 75 years ago, created a conscience fund. And it was a fund that uh, taxpayers, American citizens could contribute back to who had a guilty conscience. Okay, they hadn't paid their taxes. There was one person who wrote a nine-cent check to the federal government because they had reused a three-cent stamp. And so they sent them a nine-cent check. I mean, when was the last time that since uh, stamps cost three cents? I, I, I can't remember that. But, uh, but uh, that happened. And then there was another person who... Uh, who uh, sent an anonymous check to the federal government of $155,000 uh, just to get that guilt off their, che- their chest. Um, 
the highest amount over the year contributed by American citizens was in 2014. 2014, there was $1.1 million contributed to this conscious fund. And it was probably because of the stimulus package that uh, took place in 2014 because a lot of you got $1,000 checks and you probably felt so guilty that you just kind of gave that back to the federal government. Um, No, so people are, everybody's shaking their heads, no. Um, in 2014, that uh, contribution went down to 427, or 2015 went down to 427 thousand dollars. But by 2016, only 23 thousand dollars had been contributed to the Conscious Fund. And then this year, 2017, there has been one check written. For $1,600. Thank you, John Gilliland, for your contribution to the Conscious Fund. But, uh, yeah, there was, there was one check, uh, written one time where, um, the guys wrote on, uh, accompanying the check. He said, you know, I have not been sleeping well at night. And so here's a thousand dollars. And if I can't, if I can't still sleep well at night, I'll contribute the balance. <laughs> but when it comes to guilt, when it comes to living uh, in Christ, there is great news for those whose lives are in Christ. There is no condemnation. And as we look at uh, verses 1 through 4 this morning, uh, verses 2 through 4 is an explanation of why there is no condemnation in Christ. And so let's, uh, let's look at verses uh, 1 through 4 this morning, and I'm going to read this for us. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit has set you free from Christ, in Christ Jesus, from the law of sin and death. For God has not done what the, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit we're going to answer three questions this morning as to um, the fact that there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus we're going to look at the question of what jesus did how Jesus did it, and why Jesus did it. But the key in there not being any condemnation is being in Christ. This is not a promise to everyone. Okay, This is not a universal promise to the world. It is for those whose lives are in Christ. Christ Jesus. 
The Bible is clear that there are two groups of people in this world. Those who are in Christ and those who are outside of Christ. Those who are cursed. And Paul, who is writing this letter to the Christians in Rome, are, are, um, uh, are, he's burdened for those who are outside of Christ. He says this in Romans chapter 9, verse 3. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. Paul knew that many Jews were not in Christ, did not have a relationship with Christ because they had rejected Christ. And so they are outside of Christ. The no condemnation only is for those whose lives are in Christ. That is key. And so my question to you this morning is where are you? Are you in Christ or are you out of Christ? So let's look at the first explanation as to why there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And it's because of what Christ Jesus did for us. The Bible says in verse 2, for the law of the Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Jesus, followers of Christ, Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. And Jesus has done this. And only Jesus can do this. We see Every single day, we see in news coverage, we see on our mobile devices, we read in a newspaper, we look, we watch on television. We live in a world church that is broken by sin, that is in bondage to sin and death. And we witnessed that again yesterday in Charlottesville, Virginia, where white supremacists are trying to exert power and authority and in protest and and enforce to get people's uh, uh, attention and get them to change their mind and to focus on the right white race because the white race is superior to all other races and that we better start focusing on our American values and who we are as white American citizens that we need to have a voice. And we saw the destruction that took place yesterday and peoples who lost their lives. I want you to know, church, that racism has no place in Christianity. Racism has no place in the church because that is not 
of Christ. The Bible says that God loves all people. And there is not one race that is better than another. When it comes to the cross, the cross is, is on, on level ground. No race is morally or anything else superior to anyone else. That is not Christianity. God loves everyone. And that song that I learned as a child, Jesus loves the little children of the world. Red and yellow and black or white, they are all precious in his sight. We need to learn this and know this. There is no place for racism. We live in a broken world. It it is scary the way American culture is today. There is such division and there is such um, hostility and ugliness toward one another. And that is never going to change through a Democrat or a Republican or by physical force or protest. None of those things are going to change the heart of this country and to change the heart of mankind. The only person, the only hope that we have, church, is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only Jesus who can set a person, a heart, um, free them from a heart of captivity of sin and death. It's only Jesus. We see what's happening with North Korea right now, and we see leaders exchanging verbal, um, you know, I'm going to one-up you, and, and it, it's, it's <clears throat> there's a lot of uncertainty these days. I was looking at uh, Facebook this morning, and uh, a memory came was on my Facebook this morning of three years ago, and uh the letter N representing Nazarene. Three years ago, there were Christians being slaughtered in the Middle East by, by ISIS. And, uh, we were so concerned about what was happening with, uh, Christians in Middle Eastern co- countries. We live in a broken world that is entirely messed up. And our only hope is Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus came and set us free from sin and death. And the Bible is not silent on this issue. Other religions of the world may not have an answer for all the heartache and the pain and the suffering that we see all around us. But the Bible is crystal clear as to why all this stuff is happening. And it's because of the first man, Adam, who rebelled against God and sin entered the world. 
And for those whose lives are not in Christ, the Bible says you are still a slave. You are still caught in bondage, a bondage of sin and death. I have two different lists up here Steve put together for me this morning. There's a law of sin. That law of sin represents condemnation. For those who are outside of Christ, there is condemnation. They are a slave to sin and they are a slave to self and self-preservation. And we saw that in Charlottesville yesterday where white supremacists are saying, it is all about me and my rights. They are, law, they are slaves to the law of sin. But for those who are in Christ, Jesus came and he set them free. There is the law of the Spirit. And in the law of the Spirit, we find complete forgiveness in Christ. There is no condemnation in Christ. There is the freedom to love God and serve others. And we can put God and others before ourselves. Christ gives us the power to do, do that. And when Christ came, Christ set us free from the law of sin and death. He took us from one category, the law of sin and death, and he placed us in the law of the spirits. That's what Jesus did. And Jesus invites everyone to be a part of the second category. When Jesus came and when he died on the cross, he didn't... it didn't automatically put everybody in the law of the spirit category. But Jesus has sent out an invitation to everyone. Some of those invitations are Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 says, Come to me all you who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Revelation 22:17 says, Let the one who is thirsty Come, let the one who wishes to take the water of life, life without cost, come. It is free. John six thirty seven. the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. But in order to cross that category of the law of sin and death into the law of the spirit, You've got to RSVP Jesus' invitation. By faith, receive him into your life. And as you do, God gives you the ability, instead of hating others, categorizing others, isolating others, Christ gives us the ability to love others to serve others because it's not about me. It's what Christ did in my life. And so I in turn turn, am, am motivated to bless and be a ministry of blessing to others. That's our call. We sang about light. 
We want Jesus to be light in this world. We need Jesus to be light in this world. You know how he's going to be light in this world? By shining through us. Because we are the light, Christ is the light of the world and us. Our lives are in Christ and Christ wants to use us. And this world is desperately in need of the light of Christ. And we can pray all we want, church, but we need to be the answer to our prayers. By showing people the difference that Christ has made in our life. This, this is our greatest hope. And God has, is calling on the church to be that light. I can imagine that some of those, for the most part, young men, okay, that were in that demonstration, that protest yesterday, with their tiki torches, with khaki pants. A lot of them were young men whose hearts are so angry and depraved so far from who God says we are to be. I hope they're not in church this morning proud of what they did yesterday. That is not Christianity. And those who are in the category of the law of the Spirit, God changes our heart. So that's what Christ has done. He's come to set us free. How did Jesus do this? Verse 3. Verse 3. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. How did Jesus set us free? Why are we not condemned in Christ? Because the Bible says Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus became a man who lived among us in such a way that he never sinned. And I don't have time to go into this this morning, but Jesus was incapable of sinning because he was God. Yes, Jesus was exposed to temptation, but Jesus never sinned because God can't sin. But as our great high priest, he sympathizes with our weaknesses. He knows what it's like for you and I to be tempted. And he's there to, to provide grace and mercy in times of our deepest needs. We can go to him 
confidently. But Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh. And God condemned sin through the life of Jesus. Jesus, who was sinless, the Bible says he took upon himself our sin. Our sin, your sin, my sin was condemned in Christ. It was my sin that sent Christ to the cross. First Romans chapter 4 verse 25, he was delivered up because of our transgressions. 1 Corinthians 15, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Galatians 1.4, he gave himself for our sins. 1 Timothy 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on a tree, on the tree. 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. In Isaiah chapter 53, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising for our well-being fell upon him. The Lord caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Our sin in Christ was condemned fully and completely. The reason why there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus is because Jesus took on the condemnation of our sin. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 33. What does this practically mean for us? Romans 8.33 says, Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. There is no longer any condemnation for our sin. It has been condemned through Christ fully and completely. Past, present, and future. That is great news, church. You got to say amen right there. There was a little boy who was allergic to bees. And there was a bee uh, that he saw flying around in his car. And he started to scream and freak out because uh, he knew the the uh, potential that bee had in, in hurting him. And dad... Uh, heard his scream and he saw the bee and dad reached up and he grabbed the bee with his hand. And as soon as he grabbed the bee, uh, he grimaced and let go, let go, opened his hand. And as he let go of his hand, the bee, bee began to fly around again. And the little boy started screaming again. And dad says, son, it's okay. Don't worry about it. That bee is not going to hurt you, son. And the little boy says, how do you know, dad? It's not going to hurt me. And dad shows little bee, the, the little boy his hand because I've got the stinger. That's the picture of Christ. 
the sting of sin and death can no longer affect us because Jesus took the condemnation all upon himself. God punished himself for my sin, for your sin. That's how much he loves you. And that's what Jesus did for us. And that's how Jesus did that. Why did Jesus do this? Verse 4. In order, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Jesus took our condemnation upon himself so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. The law couldn't save us. The laws of the Old Testament, they can merely point out man's faults. The law could never take away sin. The law cannot make new. The the only thing the law does is scream to us, guilty. Because in the flesh, man could never live up to the righteous requirements of the law. Romans chapter 3 verse 20 says, By works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The law is like this mirror. See yourselves in that mirror? Okay? The law is perfect. The law shows us uh, the holy nature and character of God. He, the law shows us what God's standard for our lives is to be, how we are to live our lives. And as we look at those Ten Commandments, we all realize how far short we all fall, that we break those commandments Every single day. And the Jews realized this too. Not only did they have the Ten Commandments, but they had uh, 633 commandments that they had to live up to. But that law, the law of the Old Testament, was never meant to take away their sin. It was only to show them their inadequacy. That's why God created the altar. That's why God told Moses to build the altar and to have the sacrifices. Because as man, as the Jew looked at the law, they realized they couldn't measure up and so they needed to run to the altar. And they needed to make a sacrifice. The sacrifice 
of an innocent animal that would cover that individual's sin. And so their faith was in the blood of the animal sacrifice that would forgive their sin. That's what God said was required for the sin of the people to be forgiven. And all those sacrifices, when you look at, read uh, Leviticus, you might think, boy, Leviticus is an awfully boring book. No, it's not. If you understand what those sacrifices, the offerings were all about, they're all about, they're, they're pointing to Jesus to come. These are a foreshadow of the ultimate sacrifice that God's going to make on our behalf. But the law, the law could never take away our sin. We would look at the law and we would see the blemish and we could tell the law all we want. Law, would you please take away that sin? It can't. It required the sacrifice of an innocent animal pointing to the ultimate sacrifice. And so here Jesus comes in the New Testament. He is in the likeness of sinful flesh. He's born under the law. And the Bible says he fulfills Every single law, every dot and tittle. He did everything that was required of the law. He lived a life that none of us could ever have lived. And the Bible says that Jesus took our punishment upon himself. And there was a great exchange that took place. Second Corinthians chapter five. You have your Bibles. Look at, turn to second Corinthians chapter five, verses 20 and 21. We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was completely righteous. And when he went to that cross, he took all my sin and put that on himself and was He condemned sin on the cross in my place, but his righteousness was placed upon him. Christ's life fulfills the, the righteousness of the law. So does that mean... Boy, pastor, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. My sin has been condemned past, present, and and future. 
Pastor, does that mean I can just live the kind of life I want to live and not worry about it anymore? Absolutely not. Jesus came to set you free from the first category. And next week, we're going to be looking at what it's like to live in the second category, in the spirit, in the, in the law of the spirit. We are not permitted to live as we please. But for those of us whose lives are in Christ, let me just encourage you with a couple things. Number one, there is no condemnation when it comes to physical pain. Some of you are going through physical pain right now, and there's no answers to your pain, and you're thinking to yourself, God's judging me because of decisions and choices that I've made throughout my life. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Stop listening to the enemy. and Start listening to truth. There's no condemnation in marriage difficulties. You're in a marriage right now, and... uh, This is not what you signed up for. And you're thinking to yourself, well, God is giving me what I deserve. And you're under guilt. Uh, You're under regret. And it's all because of choices that you've made. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God loves you fully and completely. And God wants to be there to help you in your weakness. There's no condemnation in failures of parenting. Some of you are living with a a lot of regret because your kids aren't walking with God. As adults, I mean, you, you had them in church and you did the best you knew how and, uh, and you're beating yourself up because you should have done things differently. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, maybe you've made mistakes and, and there are consequences for choices that you've made. I'm not just talking about parenting, but I'm talking about marriage relationships, uh, whatever. There are consequences for choices that we've made and, and God disciplines us. But if your life is in Christ, he loves you fully and completely. There is no condemnation in anything. And you're thinking to yourself, how can that be, Pastor? Because I don't feel these things. I don't hear this. My first question to you 
is have you crossed the threshold of faith? Jesus wants to set you free. But you've got to come to Christ. You've got to stop doing this in the flesh. There's a bunch of men yesterday in Charlottesville, uh, Virginia, who thought, who think that they can change things just by exerting uh, power and domination and being ugly and angry. That is not the answer. The answer is Christ. And he wants us to come to him in faith. Because he came and did what we couldn't do for ourselves. So maybe you need to cross that threshold of faith. But secondly, if your life is in Christ, but you don't hear this and you don't feel this, you need to start listening to truth. You need to stop listening to the news. You need to stop listening to the opinions of others. And you need to get in this book. And you need to appreciate what Jesus has done for you. He wants to set you free. There's nothing more that he can do to show, convey his love that he has for you. He's done everything. Don't allow guilt to hold you hostage. Live in his grace. Live in faith in what the word says. Let's pray. Where are you this morning? Is your life in or outside of Christ? Christ wants you to be in him. And if you would just humble yourself and say, God, I need you. God, change me from the inside out. I trust you. I'm tired of doing it myself. Jesus is going to hear that prayer. And he's going to move you from the category of law of sin and death to the law of the spirit of life. Let him do it this morning. Father, thank you for your word. And it's only your word that can set hearts free. God, we need you. These are uncertain days. There are things that we're seeing today that we could never imagine happening in the 21st century. God, we, th- we thought we left all that stuff behind. But sin never changes. Sin 
always corrupts hearts and our hearts are evil. And Jesus, we need you. Help us to believe your word. Help us to stop listening to the accuser who's trying to convince us that we're not good enough. In Christ, Jesus, we are righteous. And I don't understand that, but your word says it, and I'm going to choose to believe it. Help us to live according to that truth. Father, bless this time of invitation. We give it to you now in Christ's name. Amen.